Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. We are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is a sunny Friday here in Seattle, Washington. I swear to God, every single house around me is mowing their lawn right now. So if you hear anything in the background, <laughs> it's because there's mowing going on. Um, today is a great, great guest. We got Matt Faircloth with us from the DeRosa Group. Matt has 15 years of experience in you name it, fix and flips, office buildings, single family apartment buildings. He's done it all. A lot of wisdom to jump into here. So Matt, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Um, I told you right before we got on here, we like stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are. So why don't you take us back to the beginning 15 years ago? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah, sure. No problem. So uh, I guess started in real estate in uh, like 2003. Three, I think um, that uh, that my that my uh, girlfriend now wife put a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad in my hand when I was a traveling nice. sales rep. Uh, yeah, right. Um, if if, if a, a girlfriend puts puts Rich Dad Poor Dad in your hand, marry her. You know, yeah. and so, <laughs> I did, and we like, married. All right, free. This is how we're gonna make it, buddy. You just gotta go do it. Yeah, I know, right? This is it. Go go do it. Go build it. Um, so we, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad in my hand and that, and that really turned my head towards the power of real estate. Um, and so I was living in a, like a little townhouse and the landlord was, uh, concluding our lease cause she was going to sell the property. We couldn't buy that one because another buyer came in and paid more and I couldn't get my act together in time to buy that property. So <clears throat> we went and, uh, started we go, okay, we got to go somewhere. So I bought a house in the next town over myself with some money that had scrolled away, just limped into closing um, with 3% down to buy this $150,000 townhome. 3% um, down, wow. Yeah, and it, well, well, you can still get that with FHA. Uh, yeah, FHA, you can get 3 to 5% down still um, when, on owner rock, right? So it's it what they now call a house hack uh, mm. before, the, before the, it was such a thing. And so my two knucklehead drinking buddies moved in with me um, and they were just, I was like, okay, just, uh, penny what we were paying the last landlord, which was $500 per head per month. Right. So they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll just keep paying that. The thing is the mortgage payment of my new house was $940 a month. So the, the, my two roommates were paying me $500 a month a piece and my mortgage is 940. So I was making $60 a month living there for free. And I still had a day job. Right? There you go. Sounds so like a deal. yeah. So yeah, I win. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm now like, you know, now I've got all this income coming in from my job and it's, I'm not putting it towards housing anymore. So what do I do? Well, I paid off all my student loans, paid off all my debt, paid off all my bad credit cards that I had that were just revolving and stuff like that. Um, and uh, within two years, I was bad debt free. So it was a great view. And that turned my head to the power of real estate. So when Liz and I got married, we agreed that I would quit my day job and I was a traveling sales rep at the time and she was making enough. And again, because she drank the rich dad per dad Kool-Aid too. She was like, here's the deal. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to earn income. You are going to go build a business. And so and so I did. And so that's how the DeRosa Group was born in 2005 uh, when I quit my day job and her and I got married in September, going up on 18 years uh, worth of marriage this September this year. So 
Yeah, man. And and uh, I got to rewrite that bio that you got there because it's now been 18 years worth of business <laughs> that we've uh, that we've been. <laughs> Time in. flies, right? Three years. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, man. So I just and a bit more on the origin story. So we got married and, and uh, we retained that single family home that I was in. I just put another person in the bedroom that I had vacated and um, and they ended up uh, and, and they ended up living there paying rent. And I bought a few other properties uh, around that area and then and then around where my wife and I lived. And then before you knew it, we were off and running and had a reasonable portfolio. Nice, man. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were house hacking before house hacking was a thing back in uh, it was a name. Yeah. And then we started buying properties, renovating them and taking them to a local bank and refinancing them, which is now known as the Burr strategy. Burr, yep. Yeah, my friend Brandon Turner just is better at naming things than I am, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> so he came up with these cool acronyms and cool like clippy little names for stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just living in my rental property, or I'm buying and adding value and then refinancing a rental property. Brandon um, should really be a, a marketing executive. He, re- I, you know, honestly, I believe that if he was not a successful real estate investor, he would be a top tier marketing exec coming up with really cool ways to get things on the market. <laughs> Acronyms <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, right. All right. So you guys got, you start, you house hacked and then you started uh, doing fix and flips. Um, it sounds like after that, you got into, what was it? Office and multifamily. How'd you kind of scale once you got those first few few deals done? Yeah, so we uh, we slowly started to scale in, and and we invested in our own backyard, you know, acres of diamonds kind of mentality. And so we we had moved to New Jersey uh, for her job, my wife's job. And so Trenton, New Jersey, was the next rental market that was close to us. So we really uh, tripled down on Trenton and started finding finding rental deals around Trenton, New Jersey, and scaled up. And at that point. Uh, Gabe, we could refi a lot. You're able to refi a lot of houses. This is before the crash. Mm-hmm. So we were able to refi this house, pull some proceeds out, use that to buy another deal, um, you know, buy a fix and flip, you know, hard money plus, you know, creative ways to finance second mortgage, that kind of stuff. Then the financial crisis hit. By that point, we were sitting on about 30 units, uh, including the office building and some other small rent, small multi that we had. Um, kind of had a wall for a little while, as many people did, kind of got stagnant, but also just figured out a way to get some flips done and kind of limped our way through the through the market a bit until my wife and I got reconnected to a guy that she went to college with, who at this point is now a stockbroker in Manhattan. And he's working 80 hours a week, you know, young, uh, young executive is trying to climb the ladder and make a name for himself. And she says to him, well, my husband and I are building this real estate investing business. And he says the magic words, which are, man, I sure wish I had time to do. I wish I, I'm sorry. I wish I could do that too, but I just don't have the time. Right. There you go. And, and I'm like, and she, and my wife hears that, hears the opportunity in his voice and says, you should meet with my husband. And so I jump on the train up to New York City and go have coffee with this very, very nice guy who I still am like very, very good friends with and we still do business with to this day. And we just sit there over coffee and he's pretty much out of his mouth goes, well, if I give you 50K, you know, and I mean, that's a great way to start the conversation, right? If I give you 50K, could you find a deal that makes sense? And this is like post-crash. So there's like, you know, deals like plucking apples off a tree. There's deals everywhere, right? Um, you should get to find a way to finance them. And so I've got this guy with equity 
And so we went out and found two little townhomes in Trenton um, that the the uh, owner used to owe a hundred k a piece on, um, but the bank was kind enough to relieve that owner of those properties and took them back. And uh, we bought them uh, at, at from the person that had bought them at foreclosure auction. So long story short, uh, somebody had bought them at foreclosure and they wholesaled them over to us um, for twenty five thousand a piece. So I bought these two little properties. Brought in uh, some some financing uh, through uh, through private private financing on the on the Reno. So with my uh, her college buddy's equity and some Reno that I Reno money that I had lined up, we were able to buy these properties, uh, fix them up, rent them out, you know, refinance and repeat. So we did what's now known as the burst strategy with investor money. And this guy now goes and tells all his clients and all his buddies that he's got this new friend in Trenton that's making his money, that's making him money. And so that opened up at first one or two possibilities because he wants to test the water. So now we go out and we take down a duplex and a couple single family homes. And uh, then more folks come in and more folks find me online because it's the beginning of the online presence of putting yourself out there and stuff like that. I then gave start shooting videos for my investors and I put them on YouTube okay. for them to watch. Like, hey, probably the first the guy kitchen. that was doing that too, right? I didn't realize I didn't know Gabe, I didn't know I was making them public. <laughs> and before you know, people That's start funny. like people start commenting and people start like, like who the hell is this guy? How'd, how'd you, you do that video? kitchen? And I'm like, what? What's my phone vibrating? Somebody's Oh, somebody's asking me a question about that video. I thought I was just sending it to to, to Jeremy, you know? I mean, no, <laughs> it, these are real people. And I'm like, oh, I think we've got something. So I started uh, doing videos on a regular basis. Um, and that evolved into a thriving YouTube channel that we have now to talk about the education of real estate. Um, my wife finds this startup website um, that is doing real estate education and blogs and online writing. And they just launched a podcast. Um, and so she cold calls them to say, Hey, my husband and I want to write articles for you guys. Uh, cause we're, you know, rising real estate investors. We've got stories we can tell. And she calls the company and Brandon Turner answers the phone. It's bigger pockets. Right. And go. so the, when they're just getting going and they needed more authors. And so the whole time on the phone call, uh, Liz and I are talking to Brandon and I keep calling it better pockets on the phone, <laughs> on this phone interview. Right? Brandon's just rolled with it. Like, yeah, better pockets. Brandon, God bless better him. Better than bigger pockets. <laughs> he's a good dude, man. Brandon did not, you know, never, never held it against me or whatever it was. But I looked out on my cell phone game and my wife is just blowing me up. Idiot. It's bigger <laughs> pockets. Fool. It's bigger. It's like a big capital, you know, capital Thanks, letters man. or whatever with exclamation <laughs> points and everything like that. Um, so we must have said something, right? Because he approved us to write articles for them. And and uh, that just slowly started to open up more and more possibilities. And as the possibilities opened up for investors, that enabled us to pursue larger and larger real estate opportunities. So the duplex single family home portfolio then next round turned into a couple of four families. Then next round turned into a 10 unit. The next round turned into an 18 unit. The next round turned into a 49 unit. And we were off to the races from there. And, nice. and now fast forward to today, Gabe, we control just under 2000 units in four states. That is that is a great story. And I feel like there's really good um, lessons in your, in your story. But especially one is the value of both relationships and the value of marketing and getting your word out there, letting people know what you're doing, posting on social media, 
Um, especially you got to make it go public. That was the first good mistake <laughs> that you made. Yeah. Uh, but once you do that, I mean, your message gets out there and people start to understand what you're doing and that's how you get, you attract capital to you. Yeah. Um, and the second one was, I like that you guys raised capital for small deals. I always think about raising capital for a 400 unit apartment building, but you guys were doing it for small, single family, multifamily. Um, I like that message because it shows that you can you can raise capital for any size of deal because there's going to be a return. Um, if yeah. you if you have a track record, if you're doing it right, uh, then you can go out there and you can't. You're not going to be limited by your own bank account. You can use other people's bank accounts, combine your forces, and and go yeah. out there and take these deals down. Underscore, man, you don't have to pursue the 400 unit apartment building to get into multifamily. A five unit also qualifies as multifamily, right? And you likely get more ownership and more control and don't have to give your, you know, uh, your, your left arm away uh, to investors if you're raising capital for a five or a 10 unit. It's okay to start smaller um, and, and you know, not make an enormous splash and put yourself into the noise of all the people that are pursuing that 400 unit right now. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, and it sounds like you, your wife is your best partner, even though she's not part of the business. She's the one who's crushing it, pushing you forward, helping you out. Um, and it does sound like you guys are kind of complimentary in that fact. She's part of the, I mean, like DeRosa is her mother's maiden name, just so you know, you like go. that's where that name came from, it comes from. So I married a very Italian woman that would probably slit my throat if I ever tried to cut her out of the business, like the horse <laughs> and the Godfather. So, uh, so that's, that, that's, uh, let's, let's, let's put that there, but she's also like, a board member. I'm the hmm. I'm the active operator of the Derosa Group, um, but she is a trusted advisor. She's very, um, very into being the muse, if you will. Hmm. If you're familiar with that term, that's like the uh, the inspiration that inspiration, whispers yeah. the right the right ideas, the right direction into the ear of the, of the warrior. You know, um, and the, so if I'm out on the battlefield with my sword and my armor, she is the muse on my shoulder, saying like walk left there's a bad guy <laughs> there's a left. guy on your left yeah take out that guy on the left and and climb to the mountain on your right you know yep. um so yeah that we're, we're a good partnership that way yeah and i want to use that as a segue um you know in real estate there are different roles that need to be taken different personalities that need to fit together it's not we always think of you know you know your own strengths and you feel like this is the thing for real estate this is what needs to happen in there but it, there are so many different roles different um, roles that need to be filled to get a deal done and mm -hmm. i know that you guys you have a, an assessment that um that you use to help people identify which role they fit in tell me a little bit more about that what you call yeah. it um, and how does it work so gabe i found out the wrong way that not everybody's wired for every role in real estate because I'm like, you know, not propping myself up here, but I'm actually a pretty nice guy. Uh, but the problem is, Gabe, I'm too nice mm. to be collecting rent. Oh, I am yes. too nice to be dealing with contractors because if they tell me they had another job or if the contractor, like this is the true story, Gabe. One guy, his father died three times in six months. <laughs> That's impossible. I, can't, I cannot work. My father has died. I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And then the second time, oh, maybe it's his wife's father, you know, right? You know, maybe a language you know, barrier. Call, something's wrong. Call that guy dad. Me call the second guy dad too. I get it. And then the third time your father died, I'm like, oh brother, hang on, man. How many dads you got? Fool me you know? once. Yeah, right, right, right. You fool me the second time, I'll still buy it, you know, because I'm a nice guy. But anyway, you, you need people in your business that are great at certain things. And there are people in the world that are 
great at negotiating payment terms with tenants and that can be empathetic, but also can be, uh, you know, draw a hard line in the sand. There are folks that can put contractors in a headlock and squeeze a correct project out of them. Um, and there are people that can raise a, that can raise lots of capital and get attention for the company and raise their hands in the air and get attention for their business that turns into dollars and opportunities. And one more thing, Gabe, there's also uh, I, you know, I have the background in engineering, but I'm also not that great of an underwriter because you really have to have really good financial background. You also have a lot of, you have to have a lot of patience and you also have to, you know, just know how to build out a really good financial model. And I can understand them. I've built them before, but it's not my forte. I can muddle my way through it, but it's not my hundred percent core strength. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are people whose core strength is building financial models. They couldn't raise a nickel. They couldn't get their mom to invest with us, but they can underwrite a hundred unit apartment building like nobody's business and create a business plan that is bulletproof, right? There are different skills that are necessary in this business. And too many people, perhaps some people that are listening to this podcast right now are not quite where they want to be yet in their business because they're spending too much time doing what they ought not to be doing and not enough time focusing on their core genius and how to apply that to their real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, and it's really hard, especially when you're, you're building your business, it's hard to stick to your strengths because you do at the, at the very beginning, let's face it, you do have to take all, all the hats on. You got to put them on. Yeah. Um, but it is so important to start taking those hats off and giving them to other people who can do it yes. much better than you. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of a difficult thing. Um, it's not that, and, and I will say this to to add to that, right? The person that's got the one to two unit or the ten year, you know, whatever it is, as you grow, it's 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 good, it's cool to do the things you're not supposed to do. And I did collect rent, and I learned how to be a little bit tougher about it. But I'm like, okay, this is not my core strength. This comes natural to me, and we can do things that don't come natural to us. But we're not, we're never going to. Do, we can like learn the habits to do things in a mediocre or an average way, but you're never going to be great at it. Yep. You're never going to be great at things that you should that you're not really wired to do or you don't enjoy doing. Right. What you, but you need to learn from a few signals, right? The, uh, it's interesting. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the phenomenon of procrastination is something that we all should use, right? If you're procrastinating on something, use it as a signal. That means you don't like doing it, right? And that means you probably shouldn't be doing it long term. So, mm-hmm. Whatever it is in your business that you jump into and you can't get enough of, and you know, look at for me, looking at deals. I literally am a dork and I could go on LoopNet and I you could just lock me up in a cave with LoopNet for hours and I would just sit and look at deals and go, Oh, look at that. I, I bet I could do something. Oh, no, that's a that's a garbage deal. Let's not do that. Ooh, look at this. I, I find myself when I'm watching stupid television shows my wife, my wife makes me watch, I'm over here on LoopNet and I'm like, like emailing brokers. So, you know, like, you know, God bless them at 11 o'clock at night, they're getting emails from Matt Fairclough saying, Hey, send me more about this listing. Cause I'm bored, you know, and I'm, but I love that. You're not going to catch me underwriting profit and loss statements on my rental properties at 11 o'clock at night. Cause I don't like doing that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you, you're sticking to your strengths and is it yes. right? You guys have, um, you have an assessment that you've kind of created yes. that other people can take. Yeah, you don't have to use procrastination. You can actually take the assessment that we created, uh, which is at derosagroup.com forward slash superpower. Um, if you guys are watching the video, you can see I'm a superpower, a superpower fanatic here with Captain America on my mic and everything like that. But uh, so it's derosagroup.com forward slash superpower. And it takes about five minutes. It's free. You can take the superpower assessment and it'll tell you which 
uh, directive in real estate investing you should be focusing on and which ones you should be outsourcing. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like a super um, useful thing to have in real estate. And I like that it's specific to real estate. When I was in uh, corporate, they did, um, I think it was called the DISC. I think it was. It was like the DISC thing. It's a personality yeah. test. Really useful, really useful to know how to work in teams. But um, to have yeah. that type of test specific for real estate, I feel like is a tool that a lot of people um, can really benefit from, especially when yeah. you're just getting in and you need to know how how you would best fit into a real estate team. So, so the disc really is one of the inspirations for the assessment. So um, if you have taken the disc, uh, this, the, the uh, real estate assessment we will give we will be giving you guys has, it, it's very similar in, in the profiles that it builds. I mean, with regards to like dominance, detail, um, you know, extrovert, introvert, that kind of thing. Cause they, those things all play into uh, successful real estate operators. Absolutely. There's no, and what's great is there's no wrong answer. That's why I like to tell people it's not a test because you can fail a test. It's an assessment. It just tells you who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's something to really keep in mind with any personality test is just there. It's it's really just telling you how the world yeah. is working, not how it should be working. And um, super important to remember that. But I just took a peek at the clock. It looks like we are running down the timer. So I got to move us on. Um, time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. It starts with books or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate. Okay. Uh, general life wisdom, conversations with God. Phenomenal, phenomenal book um, that everyone should read because it really gives you insight to all uh, different ways to walk life and kind of air quote why we're here. Um, you wanted a business book too? Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. One real estate book. Yep. Oh, real estate book. Okay. Um, Let's do uh, let's do cash flow quadrant. Uh, that's a that's a Robert Kiyosaki book. It's sl slightly business, slightly real estate as well, but about the ESBI quadrant that's there uh, for people to uh, determine. You know, just how are you making your money and and where do, how do you want to what do you want to evolve up to? Cool conversations with God and cash flow quadrant. Love it. All right. Next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Matt who was still a traveling salesman. His wife just slammed that uh, rich dad, poor dad down in front of him. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Uh, yeah, uh, stay focused. Because I, I, everything I did up until I, up until I quit was fine. That was great. That was all good moves because uh, I didn't have many resources and didn't have a whole lot of time to put towards the real estate business. But once I opened up myself and had a lot of time, once I quit, uh, it's it's tough because it's what's the phenomenal part about not having a job is nobody's telling you what to do. The most terrible part about not having a job is nobody's telling you what to do. <laughs> and so you end up like, you know, I'm looking at a piece of raw land on Tuesday. I'm looking at an apartment building mm. on Thursday that I yeah. have no qualifications to buy that apartment building. I remember like my first couple months out, I walked 150 unit. They should have kicked me out the door. <laughs> I had no qualifications to go buy in that 150 unit. And I didn't even know what yeah. I was looking at. And I was like, oh yeah, these are very nice apartments here. This is good. <laughs> like, dude, get out of here and go buy a duplex, you know, like, or learn that. You know, but I was looking at fixing flips and land deals and commercial stuff, whatever. Had I stayed focused, Gabe, um, I would have grown much faster. And I figured that out the hard way. Uh, but I would have told myself that, that focus creates success, not a slam dunk deal. Because I was trying to chase a unicorn, a deal that would make me a million the first time I bought it. Whereas I would have gotten much further by, you know, trying to hit singles and getting on base versus trying to hit home runs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. Um, and it's 
focus not in asset class is definitely one thing i mean i yeah. i've had the shiny object syndrome we i bought multi or mobile home parks rv parks self-storage yeah. like being focusing in on an asset class getting really good at that asset class building your processes around that asset and then um you know building out that runway i feel like focus in every every aspect asset um area that you're investing in i feel like that's really good advice and it's funny that you said that you're a young guy me and my buddy, um, we might, shoot, I don't remember how old we were. We must have been like 21, 22. And we did the same thing. We we talked with an owner. I don't know how we got in contact with him, but we walked. It, it must have been a 100-unit apartment complex. <laughs> I, I look back at myself. I'm like, what the hell was that owner thinking? Like, why did he even do it? Did you like wear a suit to the showing? Uh, no, we it? didn't. We, I mean, yeah. we, we, I didn't have a suit. We were just, we you know button up shirt and uh and right jeans. oh hi how are you <laughs> we represent the abc conglomerate that's here to you know right right, right. yeah it, it, it's tough man but we, you know being a fish out it, it's okay to be a little outside your comfort zone but you also shouldn't be wasting your time yeah yep absolutely um all right moving us on to the next question and this one is about the metro um we just talked about focusing in everybody has a metro that they are focused in and they're most excited about so what is your um, favorite metro in the U.S. today? Yeah, I love that you asked this question because there's people I meet at Ria's Gabe that either tell me they're investing in a state. They're like, "Oh, I'm investing in Texas." No, you're not, Knucklehead. The, the state, the, the state of Texas, is not a metro. It's massive. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or I've also met people at Ria's that tell me they're investing in that they're investigating 30 markets across the U.S. And I'm like, "No, you're not." You're surfing LoopNet. That's what you're doing. You know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my company's active in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is part of the Piedmont Triad, which is a metro I am super excited about. We're also active in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, three quick points on why I love the Piedmont Triad, just to highlight that. Um, big jobs coming in. It is a job-friendly state. I don't believe the red and blue state thing. It's not even that. It's just North Carolina is a very uh, just job and growth friendly. It's got a lot of land for growth, and they've carved a roadway that makes it a good job expansion place. Toyota's building a plant there. Apple's building a plant there. And Boom Supersonic, which is going to get you and I from here to Beijing in four hours or less, is building a manufacturing facility there as well. Mm-hmm. American Airlines is already committed to buying airplanes from Boom Supersonic. So it is like on the way. Sonic they're airplanes be... they're making again yeah they're making the so what was the name of the concord right yeah 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 the concord okay. that, that was they're... like defunct what like 10 years ago well it ago? crashed and killed a bunch of people so that's no good you know <laughs> people are like, all right we're done with that yeah we probably shouldn't make those anymore that's bad but we've gotten to a world where uh and they've increased the tech a ton on supersonic airplanes um interestingly enough they won't fly over land because of the sound that it causes boom, yeah. when it breaks the sound. Boom, boom right? That's yeah. why they call it boom supersonic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Appropriately named company. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're going to be producing airplanes uh, ready for flight, I think, in 2025. Hmm. So, uh, so we live in a very exciting, changing world. But answer, to answer your question, yes. And they're designing the airplanes to the point where the plane ticket uh, to ride on the supersonic airplane is going to be equivalent to what you pay, give or take in business or first class. And they can get you from here to London, where I sit in Pennsylvania, from here to London in probably two and a half hours. Um, and from where you are in uh, Portland or you're in Seattle? Seattle, yeah. Seattle. From there to Beijing in about four hours. Wow, that is really Think about cool. how that changes the world, dude. Seriously, that is really cool. Seriously, you could fly to Beijing and back for a meeting, maybe have one overnight there. Yeah. You know, versus spend an entire day to get there. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's gonna bring the world together. Flight. That gets me down to California. It's like, um, that's going to change things a lot. That's really it's cool. It's going to connect the world. So yeah. Yeah, it makes sense why you're investing there. That's uh, But they're making you know, those airplanes in the Piedmont yeah. triad. Love it. All right. Uh, next question is about finding deals. Um, it all starts with finding the deal. So what's your favorite way to find good deals? Find the job. Find jobs like I just talked about, but also uh, deals. You're talking about find that once you find the market, right? Okay, let's pretend that uh, I pick markets based on jobs, right? Because I can't, you know, I, that, that's the that's the number one factor. Finding deals, uh, we pick a, a certain sectors of the markets that we're in. We're investing in mid-size multifamily. Most mid-size multifamily is not direct to seller. You can try that, like sending sellers letters and that kind of thing. Uh, we've gotten some feedback and some success with it, but like. 90% of the deals we do are brought to us by brokers. And so that mm -hmm. means that you got to do relationship management with brokers. Yeah. Although a lot of people are trying to buy mid-size multifamily, it's still a way smaller pool of people that are looking. And so, um, and the amount of brokers that are active in mid-size multifamily in, in certain markets is smaller. So it pays to become really good friends and really close to the brokers that are there. Touch them once a week, call them, how's it going? Get to know the names of their kids and what their anniversary is and when their birthday is and all that. And get to know, I got one friend of mine, I don't do this, but a friend of mine in Texas, every time she closes a deal with a broker as a thank you, she sends him like a swanky bougie Rolex style watch. Oh, wow. I love that. To the broker as a thank you. Like, I think, thanks I think for that. That's a really cool. Um, I do. I mean, I don't send Rolexes, but I, I send. I mean, she's uh, buying ten unit, ten million dollar right. apartment buildings. Right. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. can afford a ten thousand dollar watch. Exactly. But still, what were you say you do? No, I, I like the idea, um, and I, I've been trying to do it even with my property managers, with uh, people that I work with. Um, just I try to send them gifts to show appreciation. You can yeah. send people cash, but I, I feel like gifts yeah. is just. It, it has a bigger emotional impact. And I feel like it's, it's, you know, you put thought into it. I like that idea, especially when you're talking about large, larger deals. A Rolex is such a small. I'll give you one more. Right. The Rolex is one thing, um, but even better for staff or for people that you really appreciate, send them unsolicited gifts on not, not dates that matter. And it's not on their birthday or on, Hey, you just helped me close a deal. Just on a random occurrence, just send them like, Hey, I'll let you know I appreciate you. And it's out of nowhere. Send them like a coffee mug with their name on it or something like that. You know, then there's, there's a great book on the topic called The Thank You Economy um, that uh, that everybody should read. Nice. I like that. Uh, yeah. Good nugget right there. Um, I'm going to move us on because we are, we're over time, but screw it. You know, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, <laughs> next question is about mentors. Uh, none of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So give me one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today. Joe Fairless. All day Joe long. Fairless. All right. Yeah. Great friend of mine. Uh, look up to him like a brother and he's a great human being and he's very, he's about as humble as they get. If he was behind you in the line at Walgreens, you wouldn't think twice of him, you know, and all that because he's just a, he's, he's a, in a good way, a average approachable guy, just like you and me. And he doesn't, he doesn't think he walks on water or anything like that. Um, but he's built by a billion dollar company and still wears cool looking flannel shirts, you know, um, and that. So he's a, I, I'm blessed enough to call him a friend and, uh, and he's taught me a ton and given me like little whisper nuggets in my ear what I needed to hear it that made me go left or go right when I needed to hear it. So I, we don't talk every day, but when we do, it's it's because I need advice on something and he's able to give it to me. So all right. Well shout out to Joe. What's his book? It's uh um 
the best ever apartment yeah. syndication, something like that. Yeah. Best ever um, apartment syndication book. And he's got the longest running daily real estate podcast called the best ever show. Nice. That's congrats to him. A daily one. I tried daily at one point. It's it's yeah. hard. It's just so much. It's a time. grind. And obviously he doesn't record daily. He just he just like picks one or two days a week and he just grinds it out. And he's also he also subs it out. He still owns the brand the best ever, but he's got other co-hosts, other folks that host the show too. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. All right. Last question. This is for the listeners. Um, you've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. What is the best way for them to do that? Everything about us is at our website, derosagroup.com, D-E-R-O-S-A, derosagroup.com. They can uh, hear what hear about learning from us, you know, our education outlets, including the um, the, the free uh, multifamily uh, or just real estate personality test called uh, the the um, the superpower assessment. Uh, they can, if, if they want to look at the, some of the passive opportunities we have, that's there at derosagroup.com. And they can even pick up a copy of my book, uh, Raising Private Capital at derosagroup.com too. All right. Perfect. I will put that link in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out or get, um, I'll put the other link to drossgroup.com slash superpower. If you guys want to take that assessment, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find those links. All right, Matt, that wraps it up again. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Gabe, thank you so much for having me. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you and your show and your audience. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the Real Estate Investing Club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you drop us a review on Apple or I don't think Spotify has reviews, but do it on Apple. <laughs> it's the best way to support us. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.